Hebrews 11, starting in verse 30. The Bible says this. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness they were made strong. They became valiant in battle. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. And then we make a shift right here. I want you to notice up to this point, he has been talking about people who were delivered from suffering. Up to this point, he's talking about people who stopped the mouths of lions. They did not get eat. Up to this point, he's talked about great fires that were quenched and you couldn't even smell the smoke on uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's talking about people who have been delivered. They escaped the edge of the sword. They became valiant in battle. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens. But now he makes a shift. He's still talking about by faith these things were done, but there's a shift in faith. And notice what he says. Others were tortured. Still talking about by faith. By faith, others were tortured not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. They didn't need the mouth of the lion stopped. They didn't need the fire to be quenched. They were ready. They were ready to obtain their better resurrection. So others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, and they'd done it by faith. And listen to what it says in verse 36. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. How many of you will still name the name of Christ while the saw is being grinded through your mid parts? I'd like to say I would. I don't know till I'm there. They were sawn in two. And they were tempted. These were slain with the sword. They didn't escape the edge of it. They were slain with it. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. Oh, I wish I could preach on that this morning, but I can't. i got to go somewhere else. Of whom the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. You can be seated this morning. I want to talk to you this morning about choosing to follow God. I was going to start my series on membership and accountability. I ask you to bear with me a few more weeks until I can, until the Lord can help me kind of get it together. It's it's hard when you're still preparing messages to actually plan a series and study up and get in line with it. And I don't like to halfway do stuff, so I'm just kind of working at it bits and pieces to like get it together. But um, 
choosing to follow God. You know, for some reason this day and time, we pick what parts of God's path we want to follow. Last week we talked, I talked to you about our ways are not His ways. They're not. So it shouldn't be a surprise when you hear the Word of God and all of a sudden it points something out in your life that's not right. It shouldn't be an amazement to look and see that most everything you do in your life as a fleshly man does not line up with God's ways. It ought not be a surprise. Our ways are not His ways. Our thoughts are not His thoughts. He is so much higher than us. But when we come to Jesus Christ, we give our life to God and we say, Christ, I am going to follow in Your way, in Your example, because You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. You are the only way that leads to the Father. The Bible calls this the narrow way. And it says that few are they who actually find this way. The Bible says that many are they that choose the way of destruction. Now, we're talking about the way of salvation up front right now when we're saying narrow and wide. But then even after salvation, we come to a place on a daily basis where we're traveling the narrow way. We're walking down this road and somewhere along the way it's almost like you ever seen, uh, uh, those of you that remember the railroads, whenever the trains used to run, there was a lever they would pull and the track would shift. I'm sure you've seen it on TV if you ain't actually seen it in action. We're traveling down this path and somewhere along the way the devil decides that he wants to try to pull this lever to shift your path, to take you off of this narrow way to lead you into this wide way that looks so good it looks so easy. You know, our ways are not His ways. So if that is the case, then it is not an easy job for us to just naturally travel that narrow way, is it? It would be very easy for us to take His detour. It's very easy for us to choose that this is something that I want to do. I will, I've followed you this far in this direction. Let me just take this detour right here. And you know that this is not the place and not the path that He has for you, you know this. But even still, for some reason, you make a blatant choice, or we, let me say we, we make blatant choices that we are going to follow this path even though I know that this is not the narrow path. And I think about these guys right here. Guys who follow this path at all cost. Even if it led them to the lion's den. They followed this path even if it led them to a fiery furnace when all they had to do is just bow their knee to the statue. Everybody else was doing it. I think about how easy it would have been for these guys who have just turned away from what they knew was the right path of God and just followed this little detour just for now. But they said, no, we will not do this. By faith, we will choose to stay on this path even when it, it, even when it means suffering for us in the midst of it. Even when it means we might be sawn in two. Even if we may not escape the edge of the sword, we will follow this path even if it means our life. 
Loyalty is not something you hear much of today anymore. Backstabbing is what you hear more than anything. Loyalty used to be a, such a great term. For someone to have loyalty, it meant that their dedication, their obedience was unfathomable. But for some reason today, it's so easy for us to not follow the path that God has for us. The path is tough sometimes. I want you to think back, if you remember some of your Bible stories. Here's where knowing your Bible stories comes in handy because I'm going to preach a lot of Bible stories. I remember back whenever God first came to Abraham. God came to Abraham and he was in a land of the Chaldeans. It was called the land of Ur. God comes to Abraham in this land and he says, Abraham, if you will get up, out of your country. Get up out of your lifestyle. Get up out of your family. Get up and leave everything that you know and follow this path that I will show you. You can't see it right now, but I'm going to show it to you once you start going. If you'll get up and you'll follow this path, I will bless you. I will make you a great nation. And history tells us that the land of Ur in the Chaldeans was a very rich land that people who lived there were, were very um, wealthy people. This means Abraham left all the splendor of everything you could have known. And he got on a path that he did not know where it was leading. The only thing he knew was that God, the one who spoke the universe into existence with just his words, only thing he knew was this God has spoken to him and said, if you will go and you will follow me, I will bless you. I can imagine how hard it must have been for Abraham to have just took off and did that. But he said, okay, God, I believe you. I don't even know where the land is that you're bringing me into. I don't even know really how you're going to bless me. You're telling me that my seed is going to be greater than the sands of the sea. But okay, I believe you. This is a man that does not even have a child. And God tells him, your seed is going... He's 75 years old. Now listen to me. He's 75 years old. And he don't even have a single child. And God says to him, if you will follow me on a path that you cannot see, to a land that you don't know where it is, if you will do this, I will make your seed innumerable, like the sands of the sea. Abraham did not look back at God and say, but God, I don't even have a child. He looked at God and he said, okay, I believe that. Now, that's just funny to me, but that's faith. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things unseen. The hope that he had was that God was going to bless him if he just did this. The evidence that he had was that the same word that spoke all this into creation is the same word that has just spoken this promise to him. That's all the evidence he needs. So he gets up out of everything he knows. He follows the path that he cannot see and he just chooses to go after God. I think about Noah. How hard must it have been for Noah who in a day that supposedly they had never seen rain in this place 
And God says, build an ark because I'm going to flood the world. And Noah never questions. He looks up and he says, okay, I believe that. And the Bible says that both Noah and Abraham, because they believed God, it was accounted to them for righteousness. They looked at God and they said, God, I trust you. I don't care if this path is going to lead me to suffering. I don't care if this path is going to cause me heartache. I don't care if this path you choose is going to take my life from me. God, I trust you. And they took this path and they walked down this road and they had loyalty to God to choose him. I think about Joshua. He says, march around the the walls of um, Jericho times. And on the seventh time, blow your trumpet and the walls are just going to fall down. These walls were taller than this building. And they were mighty all the way around. No telling how thick they were. But God just told them, after the seventh time you've marched around it, when you blow the trumpets, they're going to come crumbling down. Joshua said, okay, I believe that. He marched around seven times. And sure enough, they come tumbling down. But I think about how tough it must be to actually walk in something that seems impossible in our minds. It seems like it don't make sense, but we look at God and we say, God, you said it, I believe it. And we choose to follow Him. That's faith. I want to look at Hebrews chapter 11, and now I want to look at verse 23. I'm going to bounce around just a little bit. Hebrews 11, I want to start in verse 33, and I want to basically consider this crossroad that we come to on a daily basis. We make that first decision that, God, I'm going to follow your path by faith because I know it leads to salvation. But then on a daily basis, the devil throws these little kinks in our, in our path that he wants to shift our path to go his way. And I want to ask the question, how do we make a daily decision to follow after God no matter how good the other path looks? How do we make the decision to look at God's narrow path? And not only is this path narrow, but this path is so grown up because hardly nobody takes it. It's not trodden down. It's, not, it's all covered in, in logs that have fell over it. There's all kind of obstacles in the way on God's road. It is so tough to look at God's narrow way and understand how in the world God would ask you to walk this path. But He does. So how do we make a daily decision to choose to walk this path that we know will lead to our suffering? We know it will lead to our torture. We know it will lead to fiery furnaces. We know that it will lead to lions' dens. But even still, we say, God, I will go because I trust you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. By faith, there's your answer right there, by the way. By faith, Moses, when he was born, he was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. Now, let me ask y'all a question. When was the last time y'all looked at a baby and you could honestly say that that thing is really beautiful? 
no hair, no teeth. Uses the bathroom all over itself. Oh, ain't he beautiful? Maybe your baby you could look at and, and see it was beautiful. But you know as well as I do that when the Bible says that his parents looked at Moses and said that he was beautiful, they weren't talking about how he looked. They saw something different about this child. They looked at this child and they said, this child has an anointing on him like none other that I have ever seen. This child is beautiful. And they took this child, not fearing the fact that Pharaoh had threatened to put to death anyone that did not deliver their firstborn sons to him. They didn't care about that. They took this baby, and it says here that they hid him for three months. They put him in a hiding place for three months until they finally had to put him in a little uh, basket, send him down the river where Pharaoh's daughter picks him up. Pharaoh's daughter raises Moses up in all the ways of Egypt. At this time, Egypt is the greatest empire on the face of the earth. At this time, Egypt has all the treasures, all the education that you could possibly hope for. This was the place where every... This was the America of today. They were the top dog. And Moses is now being raised as the president's stepson, as the president's grandson. That's who he's being raised as. He has the best education. He has all the treasures or riches that he could want for. But then look at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age. Now, Acts chapter 7 tells us that Moses is actually 40 years old when this happened. But this Bible and this book of Hebrews 11 says that this is when Moses became of age. He was 40 years old. And he reached a point in his life where the book of Acts chapter 7 says... It came into his heart to answer the call of God. I tell you, the first decision that you have to make in order to choose the path of God, you have to allow his call to penetrate your heart and you have to answer that call. And then you make a choice that I'm going to follow after whatever it is that God calls me to. It begins with salvation first. And then on a daily basis, he begins to add other things to it. But first thing that happened, Moses was called. By faith, Moses, when he was called, the first point that I want to make right here, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He made a decision to refuse to be called the president's grandson. This was a place that he had everything his heart could possibly desire. But he made a choice that the call of God was so much greater in his life than everything Egypt had to offer that he would refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I want to look at James chapter 4, verse 7. Refuse to be called part of this world. This is the first step you have to make in order, once you make your step of salvation, if you want to follow God's path on a daily basis, this is a decision you have to come to. I used to be a, a, a nicotine addict. Used to love alcohol. Um, I, I'm telling you, I, I loved it. 
I didn't think I could ever quit. I really didn't. It was tough. I tried quitting so many times. I tried to put that, I tried to, uh, I tried to, uh, probably ten times I put the, put the cigarettes down. I'd always pick them right back up. One day I finally made a decision in my mind. I said, Kevin, you have already conquered this. This has already been conquered for you. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. All you have to do is make up in your mind right now that you refuse, no matter how much the devil throws at you with temptation, my mind is already made up. I refuse to enter into this because it is not part of me anymore. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and what will he do? Somebody asked me one time, said, Brother Kevin, why won't the devil leave me alone? In this particular instance, you know what I was able to tell them? Because you ain't resisting. You don't resist. You don't refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You do not refuse to be part of this world. You do not look at sin and see it what it is and say, I will not be a part of this. I am a child of the King. I am God's Son, and I will not be a part of this. I refuse it. That's the first step in Christianity. You refuse to be part of this world, and that's the first thing that Moses did. He said, I will not be part of Egypt. I'm God's child. I'm a stranger in Egypt, even though I was raised in Pharaoh's house. I'm a stranger here. This is not my home. I'm just passing through. The second thing I saw comes from verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. I want you to think about what that says right there. Think about the lifestyle that Moses had. Every day he walked out on his great big balcony of the greatest mansion in the kingdom of Egypt he walks out and he looks out on all of the slaves that are being beat. They're being, they're being drove to build these huge pyramids and all these great structures. And Moses is standing here and he is in power and authority with all the education that anyone could ask for, with all the treasures and riches, any food he wanted set in front of him at any time of day. And he looks out and he says, I would rather be out there being beat, building pyramids, eating one meal a day than all the treasures in Egypt. That's a statement right there. He said, I make a choice that even if refusing this, even if refusing this is going to cause me to suffer, he's worth it. The Bible says that those who come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And Moses understood that God is a rewarder of those that will seek after Him and I'm going after God's reward. Even if it means that I have to suffer affliction in the process of it. Look at um, Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Tim. Give me that one real quick. Listen to what Paul had to say about it. 
This is how Paul chose God's path on a daily basis. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul said, look here. There ain't no amount of suffering that this world can put on me that can even compare to the reward that God has for me in the glory of Jesus Christ. So it's easy for me to refuse this world. It's easy for me to lay aside all the riches of Egypt to choose to follow and suffer with the people of God. I want to look at um, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. This is Paul again. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul said, even if making this decision leads to the end of my life, I still win. Even if I'm sawn in two, I still win. Even if I'm stoned to death, I still win. And the reward of God is so much greater than any of the riches this world has to offer. Third point comes from Hebrews 11, verse, um, verse, the end of verse 25. Let's just finish 25. It says, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy... What's that next word? The what? Passing pleasures. I want to remind you this morning that anything this world has to offer is only pleasures for a season. Just for a season. It is a passing pleasure. Don't let nobody tell you that sin ain't pleasures. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, to the flesh, sin is pleasurous, but it's only for a season. And the, re the reward for it is death. The reward for suffering with God is eternal life. Verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He put greater value in suffering with Christ than the value of all the riches of Egypt. Think about this. Egypt had all the silver and gold. People come from miles around to bring gifts to their Pharaoh. They had all the livestock. They had every jewel that the world has to offer. They were the greatest empire in this time. But Moses looked at all of the silver and gold in Egypt. He looked at all the great pyramids. He looked at everything Egypt had to offer and he said, you know, suffering with Christ is so much greater in value than all this silver and gold. Millions of dollars, possibly billions, but suffering the reproach of Christ is so much greater in value than anything that this world of Egypt has to offer. You have to recognize that. If you don't recognize that, you're going to keep going after these temporary things. You're going to keep going after these empty holes that lead to nowhere. They will give you pleasure for a season, but it will pass. The next thing I saw comes from verse 27. By faith, 
he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He made a decision that I will walk away from Egypt. I will not keep staying in this place and trying to play around with it. I'm not going to put myself in the bar and say, I'm going to go to the bar, but I'm not going to drink. He didn't put himself in the crack house and say, I'm going to go to the crack house, but I will not partake. He didn't pull a Bill Clinton and say, I'm going to puff on it, but I won't inhale. No, he didn't. I went old school on you, didn't I? He didn't. He said, I will forsake this. I will get up out of this thing and I will leave this because I am not part of it anymore. He forsook Egypt. He walked away from the bondage of this world. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. The thing I want to remind you this morning is this. If you allow it, sin will rule over you. I'm, it's powerful. I'm telling you right now, it is powerful. Don't play with it. Don't play around with it thinking that you are more powerful than it because you are not. It's only in His strength and His power that you were able to overcome it. And this is what Paul says. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But the only way for you not to fulfill the lust is by walking in the Spirit. And you will not find the Spirit in the midst of sin. You understand that, right? So you have to forsake it. You have to come out of it. Walk in the Spirit. You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. You stay in the place where the Spirit of God is. You stay in His Spirit and you will have the power to refuse the bondage of Egypt. You can forsake it. The next thing I saw, moving on. He says he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Think about this. This is Pharaoh's grandson that has just said, I don't want to be your grandson. I don't even want to be associated with you. It's been very easy to, for a Pharaoh struck that boy down. Moses wasn't scared of that. He said, no, I fear him. I don't fear him. He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Verse, and then he goes on, my fifth point, he says, For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. I want you to think about this. He endured. Now here's where we fail most of the time today. We don't endure. We choose that it will be okay for me to follow this path today. I can come back Sunday and get right with God. Can you? Are you going to get that chance? I hope so. Don't count on it. Today's what you have. Today is the day of salvation. You know, I pray for every one of us that we could, we, I, you know, I hope that I interpret the Bible wrong and that we can live out in sin and stand before God one day and say, okay, God, I know that I died out there um, living in the midst of sin, so I'm here to collect my reward. And I hope that he'll look and say, enter in, thy good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few, I will make you master over any. But you know what I believe, in my opinion, he's going to say? Depart from me, 
you what? Worker of iniquity. I never knew you. That's my belief. I hope you're right. I hope, I hope, I, I do. Because that means more people's going to be in heaven, I promise you. But I want you to know his word tells me that I can make a decision to follow him. And I can make that same decision not to. I pray that you will make the decision to choose to follow after him. And not only just follow him, but endure. The Bible says that Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. This is how he endured. He endured by keeping his eye on Christ. He didn't know him as Christ at this time. He knew him as God. But he kept his eye on him who is invisible. You know how I know this? Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. This is the same writer following up on what, on this, on what he's just wrote about. He says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, look what he says next, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so what? I imagine the writer of Hebrews looked at him and he said, it so easily ensnares you. It should not be this way. Why is it so easy for you to just choose to get off the path of God? Why can't you just choose to be loyal to Him? Why can't you see that the reward for following Him is far greater than the reward you receive for dwelling in this sin? It's a passing pleasure. It only lasts for a season. That's it. He says, so lay aside this sin which so easily ensnares you and let us run with what? Endurance. It's time for us to endure even if it means suffering. Run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us. And here's how you do it. Looking unto Jesus. The same way that Moses done it. He done it by seeing Him who is invisible. We do it by looking unto Jesus and remembering His example. Remembering the way that He lived. How He was tempted in all points, even as we are. But you know what? No sin. None. He is our example. We look unto Him to endure in our race. Now, I'm not telling you you're not going to fall and get mud all over your face. You know what else I do, that you probably are. But I'm telling you that you get back up and you get back on your path. You don't take the detour and you don't veer off. You endure on the path. And He says here that we look unto Jesus, who is the author and the what? He's the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before Him, what He do? He endured. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you see His reward? Jesus Christ endured, and now He has sat down at the right hand of the God of all gods. He has sat down at the right hand of the throne that is above all of the thrones. Now, because He endured, He has been given a name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord of all. And He got that.
because he endured. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to finish up. I got a few more, but I'm fixing to end it on this. Verse 28. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Here's another way he stayed on path. He stayed on path by keeping the ordinances of God. Do you know why we take this Lord's Supper? Because it reminds us. We do it in remembrance that He died so that you and I could have life. He lived and was broken so that you and I could have an example and a guide. And we keep the ordinance of God just like Moses did. By faith, we keep the Lord's Supper so that we remember what Christ has done for us. Last but not least, verse 29. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so drowned. By faith... <laughs> There was no obstacle too big to stand in their way to stop them from following God's path. By faith, the Red Sea was not big enough to keep them from staying on God's path. I don't care what the devil throws in your way. I don't care how tough your life is right now. And I hope I don't come off as just being insensitive. I'm just telling you the truth of the matter. I don't care how tough it is for you right now. There is no obstacle that the devil can throw in your way. There is not an obstacle that the devil can throw in your way that should take you off the path of God. God looked at Moses standing in front of that Red Sea. Moses sit there crying is what the Bible said. The Bible said Moses sit there crying to the Lord. Lord, what are we going to do? The Egyptians are on us. And God looked at Moses. He said, why are you crying unto me? Lift up your hand part those waters, and get on my path. And Moses stretched out his rod and lifted his hand, and you know what happened? The waters parted. Moses said, <clears throat> Red Sea, God said, get out of my way. And he showed him his stick, and the Red Sea said, that's, that's all you got to do. That's all you got to say. And they got up out of the way, and it was dry land where they walked across. And even though the devil tried to follow them to the other side, you know what God done? He dropped a bomb on the devil. He dropped a bomb on me. That's right. He sure did. He dropped a bomb on the devil. The Red Sea got up out of the way. And the devil could not follow him across. I want to tell you this morning, you can stay on God's path. Whatever the devil has tried to put in your life that is standing in your way, I don't care if it's addictions, I don't, care, I don't care what it is. I could name off so many of them. You look at that thing and you say, <clears throat> God said, get out of my way. And you watch that thing step up and get out of your way. And then you walk across and you stay on God's path. I end my message by telling you, too easily you let sin ensnare you. Too easily we let the devil take us off God's path. Too easily. 
I'm asking you today to find your loyalty to God. Find your place to where you refuse to get off of the path of God. And you choose to follow it even if it means you're suffering. I want to read one last verse, and I promise this is my close. Hebrews chapter 12. I didn't give you this, Tim. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 3. I want to read this to you, and this is my close. This is it. Remember, I talked to you about those who were tortured, tormented, sawn in two. You remember that? Well, listen to what he said about those who so easily got ensnared. He said, listen, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And look at verse 4. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. You think you got it tough? You think it's tough for you to resist sin? How many drops of blood have you shed? How many tables have you laid on with a saw to your side resisting from sin? How many stones have you stood in front of being thrown at you resisting from sin? And yet so easily we let it ensnare us. If you get so easily led away when there's really no striving on your part, what's going to happen when you are laid with a gun to your head saying, do you name the name of Christ? If it's so easy for you to walk away without that, how easy will it be for you when you're put on the spot? You have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. How serious are you about refusing the ways of the world and choosing to follow God? Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, and choose to follow God's path. Y'all can stand. Shirley, come on up. The altar is open. You ain't even got to wait on the song to sing. We're going to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus, number 149. And I want to ask you the question as you sing, have you truly decided to follow Jesus? Have you said that the world is behind me and the cross is before me? And even though none go with me, still I will follow. I ask you, as we sing, make that choice if you haven't.